from realghoststoriesonline.com. Welcome to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. I am Tony Bruski, along with Jenny Bruski, as always, a show where we take your calls, take your ghost stories, and share them here on the show, and uh, trying to provide as little judgment as possible uh, to those stories. In fact, no judgment is what we like. Unless it's just utterly, you know, you're a 10-year-old and we know you're making up the story to try and get on the show, which I've <laughs> had before. But uh, other than that, uh, we just uh, we want to do a lot of learning on the show, which is what we do every single week. We, we, we get some stories, we get things that sometimes I don't know about, sometimes she doesn't know about, and sometimes there's some education back and forth, and sometimes it's just completely new to both of us. We're like, what? <laughs> okay. Well, let's discover more about this. So, if you got a real ghost story, please give us a call. Uh, the phone number to do so uh, at realghoststoriesonline.com is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802, or you can write into us through our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And, of course, uh, be sure to tell a friend about the show, like us, uh, and uh, give us some stars, if you would, on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube that helps us grow, helps us get more ghost stories for you every single week. Uh, so, there's a little bizarre home uh, that's always been a bizarre home next to my, my parents' house in Wisconsin. And uh, I grew up uh, seeing this house. It was across the creek. My parents' house is nice, but this, this house across the creek always just kind of stood out like a, a sore thumb, if you will. It was never really taken care of. It was always, you know, fairly dilapidated looking. Um, and the owners were just pretty much scum buckets um, the whole time I was a child growing up. But thankfully, they got old. And I don't know if they died yet, but one can only hope. Um, anyway, that's how much I love those neighbors. <laughs> and the house is visibly the oldest house in the area. Yeah. And it's still, it still looks like crap. Um, it was going to be torn down. And then somebody... Uh, ended up buying it. They're buying the property to build another home further back behind this house. And they thought, hey, instead of tearing down this dilapidated piece of crap, let's rent it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I honestly don't know how. I mean, it's like it's like one of those homes you see that it's like falling apart and part of hoarders. You know, it's not the good hoarder house. Like, oh, it's beautiful on the outside and hoarders on the inside. No, it's like both. Uh, so anyhow, creepy house. Lots of bad energy over there. You know, just unhappy neighbors um, the whole time. But they're gone, and now new renters have gone in. And there are so happy renters that, uh, well, there was a, another suicide in that house. Another? Uh, another. And that, that's why I, I bring this up. Is uh, Got a letter the other day from my mom saying in the middle of a thunderstorm, uh, a, uh, a woman shot herself in, in the basement of the home. Now, suicide, not super... Um, Uncommon. Obviously, there's a lot of folks with, uh, you know, a lot of things that they're working through. And, and sometimes that's that's how it ends up, unfortunately. Uh, the, th- the thing that makes this a little creepy and weird is that uh, uh, this is a second suicide in the house. And are they related at all? No, I mean, this is like 30 years after the other one. OK, um, but it's in the same area of that house. Um, it happened during a storm. Which, you know, right into whatever. So nobody in the neighborhood heard it, heard the gunshot go off because it was in lightning thunder. And the same part of the house? Same part of the house. Um, And I don't know. Um, Okay, let me ask this. Yeah. Did they die the same way? I have no idea. So you don't know how the first one died? I know it was a gunshot in the first one. Well, the second one was a gunshot. They're both gunshots, yeah. So then they both were gunshot. Yeah. So yeah, I thought you meant like where did the the bullet go or no? No, I just meant... The weapon yeah. of choice, I guess. Mm-hmm. So two uh, two suicides in the same property. Now, your odds in that probably not all that great. No. But I don't know. When, when I told you about it the other day, when I, I heard about it, I didn't think anything real super ghostly, but you kind of brought that up. I did. And the reason I was asking these questions, because I wanted you to give those details, because I think being in the same part of the house, which mm-hmm. is the basement, the basement was a separate unit. Well, uh, it is now, but it, it was just part of the house back then. But still, sure. both yep. both of the suicides occurred in the basement. Yep. Both of them were gunshots. Mm-hmm. And nobody had lived in the basement in between the time... No. Mm-hmm. When the first suicide happened, and then now, <laughs> I didn't even know you could live in that basement, honestly. So, in my mind, I'm thinking 
there's something going on that's making these people do this. Well, I will say this about the house. That place has a tremendous amount of negative energy connected to it. Mm-hmm. Just seeing the people who lived there for a good period of, of, it was pretty much all of my childhood. And up until a couple years ago, they finally moved out. Um, the guy dressed like Kim Jong-un. Okay. Um, and he did. Seriously, the guy, <laughs> he did. He had the like fatigues. He wasn't um, like uh, Korean or anything, but he, he dressed like him. And he would walk around his yard and he would stand there and he would just give wreak havoc to all the neighbors who tried to do anything on their own property. Mm-hmm. So, you, you, you know, you try and build a garden. He calls the DNR on you. Um, just insanity. Like the guy was nuts. And, and there was just constant, you know, there was, I remember lots of screaming, hearing over there. It was never a happy place. So negative energy. I can see that having bred into whoever is in that house now. Okay, but then I'm kind of a numbers person. I'm thinking, okay, the statistics of suicide, mm-hmm. you know, yes, you hear about it a lot, but what are the odds of it being in the same house in the same part of the house, in the same fashion. I don't know. That's an interesting thing, and that's an interesting stat. I wonder if exists of uh, of suicides in general. Of how frequently do they occur in the same place? Because I wonder. Well, you got to exclude things like bridges and cliffs. You know, Brooklyn Bridge. I mean, residential homes. Golden Gate. Okay, yeah. I mean, private residences that with with residents that have nothing to do with the previous residents, because I could see it if it was the same member of the family from the previous family. They're a very dysfunctional, unhappy bunch, probably quite a few suicides in that group. But this is a totally separate family. Right. And I was going to say that I believe there are higher statistics on suicides within a family one member will commit suicide you're a lot more likely to have another one do that but here you can also play the demographics game on this and this is pretty morbid but it's true and it's just strictly demographic so don't anybody read into this any any other way it is a low income non uh nice looking house probably very cheap um your odds of likely getting a tenant that's probably not in the greatest mindset, probably substantially higher than that of a nicer home or a nicer rental rental property. Mm-hmm. So that being the case, um, your odds are probably up there higher that that person is more likely to kill themselves than someone who is uh, not who doesn't need to go to that sort of a home to live in. Okay. Now this is not. I'm not saying anything other negative about people or if you're in a lower rank nothing about that i'm just saying statistically that's likely what they're already facing a lot of challenges as that's what the facts are i don't know when you told me this and you said that and just kind of offhand you said yeah that's the second one i was thinking okay my my demonology radar went up on that yeah i don't know i mean it's a dark place it's a it's a spooky dark house that I'm sure there's a lot of negative energy in it. Oh, we'll see if what the next tenants do. Good grief. <laughs> Just wait for the bang. Oh, maybe it's time to call someone. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, not to laugh about suicide or anything, but yeah, it was a uh, an interesting coincidence, I guess you could say. So that's that. Sad story. I mean, nonetheless, but um, kind of bizarre. Yeah, very kind of bizarre. bizarre. Uh, If you have a real ghost story, we would absolutely love to hear it. The phone number is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. Another story about homes and uh, negative energy uh, that your parents are actually involved with right now. We'll we'll get to that one. Uh, Let's go to our first call first, and then we'll we'll talk about that story uh, in just a few minutes here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Again, the phone number to call in, 855-853-4802 with your real ghost story. Hi. Hello, Tony. This is Cisco. I've called a couple times and let you know a few things. Um, I was listening to a recent show, and I must say that the addition of your wife is absolutely delightful. She's wonderful, and it just adds so much uh, to the show. Not that you weren't terrific on your own, but, you know, it's a nice to have somebody to play off ideas, and, and she's doing a great job, so kudos there. You had asked, um, I've been doing this about 40-some years, and... Um, that was one of the major things when I called in earlier to let you know. Uh, somebody needs to put the word out that 
getting in a little group and deciding, hey, let's go find some ghosts or let's see if we can get this recorded and going into a, a cemetery or a home or a Ouija board situation, seances, it's so dangerous. And with all the shows that are on and, um, you know, people get the idea that they can just jump in and do this and there's no repercussions. And sadly, that is so not true. Um, you had asked if using a phone or an EMF off your phone, an app or things like that, or ghost talk box or anything in the like, whether it's a pendulum, just a, a plain, you know, pendulum, it's the intent. It's always the intent, whether it's a gazing mirror or any of that. It's your intent. And if you open a door or uh, a portal or an opening at all and you welcome whatever comes through it is very much you had someone I believe it from the conjuring the the movie and she stated it very well it's like having an apartment a brownstone on a busy street in New York City and you're standing you have your door wide open and you're standing outside going, my door is in my door is open please come in and you know, chances are you're going to get some really great, you know, individuals to come in there. But what are the chances that you're going to get a psychopath or a, neg a negative uh, person to walk in there and maybe even a negative person that at first appears to be calm and caring and everything else. And that's how they get you. That is how they get you. And when you have a Ouija board, or any of these things and you're oh I lost my bracelet can you help me find my bracelet and you get sucked in sucked in sucked in and right when they you know you they're in as much as you can you find out that the little kid you're talking to or the real nice spirit you're talking to may not be what they perceive to be you have to understand that a spirit or Let's just say, for the lack of a better word, let's just say spirit, whether it was ever human or whether it might be something else. They're, they've been playing this chess game a long time. And if you think you're going to walk in there for the very first time and you've got it under control, that right there ought to tell you you shouldn't be messing with it. And to walk into a haunted house or, or anything like that, uh, cemetery, whatever, and to, for these young kids or whoever that go in there and they're trying to provoke a spirit to give some kind of sign, throw this, do that, move that, bang on that. It takes a lot of energy for them to do that, and I cannot think of anything sadder than someone who was lost. These ghosts were people, too, okay? And if you can't imagine walking into just somebody's house, walking in, opening the door when they were having a dinner party, and standing there going, throw that and I'll listen to you. Do this and I'll listen. And just yelling and provoking and doing this to a human being. Why would you do it to a spirit who is lost and at the very... I can't imagine anything sadder. It breaks my heart to think that somebody would be past and be lost and be searching and not knowing what's going on and then they have someone finally showing up and talking to them and they're saying, you know, if you knock on this, we'll, we'll do this. And then they're so caught up in finding that evidence that they forget what they promised. And after a while, I honestly believe that this is adding to the aggression. I don't think that anybody would want to be bothered like this. I can't imagine passing and, and, and not knowing where I was and looking for my children and I have someone who's talking to me and they're doing this kind of provoking thing. That in and of itself is sad. But the danger to the person that is doing the ghost hunting or the ghost provoking and opening those doors, yes, it can, you can use elect, they can use electronic. Anything that is an element, water, electronics, the um, internet way, all of that, yes. It can be manipulated by spirit or negativity on that side of the spirit. Yes, it can be used. That is the answer to your question. And if you are someone who thinks that it's a good time to go out on a Saturday night and maybe go into the cemetery and conjure up or talk to or bother, don't be surprised if you bring something home or something else starts happening in your life 
and it starts unfolding and you're so caught up and you don't know what to do, that's when people like myself are called or people like that know what they're doing um, are called in to get this out and I don't know what's going on. I don't understand why my pets are dying or why my kids are seeing this. You open the door and it's a lot harder to close it than it is to open it. So beware. Thanks, Thanks. Tony. Thank you. Thank you for the call and uh, that insight uh, into uh, those questions that we had about all of those uh, elements. Thank you for the call and thank you for your kind words. And I think your call is one of the, the most chilling to me because I can tell by your tone that you know what you're talking about and you are very serious and very emphatic to everybody to to heed your warning. And again, what we do, you know, I know that you're not directly talking about us, but we want to hear about experiences people have had, you know, just in natural life. But obviously we don't want to encourage anybody to go stir up any trouble. Unless you no, 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 no we don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, it, it really is. It, and most of the stories that we have, as far as I know, are... are things that have happened some of the stories we have like say hey this happened last week but they're not necessarily out there necessarily asking for these spirits to show up well there's been a couple that have but i think they sure. were very young and very and those were kind of like some of the past right stories um yeah i know where we're saying hey go to a cemetery and conjure some things up um <laughs> when she said encouraging people to go on a saturday night into a cemetery one of my one of my good friends on a, a saturday night one night uh, this is a fun radio story. Uh, and he ended up in a cemetery um, late in the evening himself uh, with one of the girls he met at the nightclub. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> bad on so many levels. And now it just becomes a bad joke between us mm-hmm. where it's like, for whatever, it's like, well, you're probably going to end up at a cemetery, you know? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Anyhow, I wonder if the ghosts enjoyed that. Wow. <laughs> So I take it things went well in the cemetery. I think I, I never really got the details. I don't want to know. But I think probably for, I, I guess if that's... That's just know. disrespectful. It is disrespectful. That's just disrespectful. That's um, that's a lot of radio people there for you. Wow. <laughs> anyhow. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, we were talking a little bit earlier um, about homes, haunted homes, uh, and energies that uh, you know that are not so welcoming to to you if you're trying to, to go into that new home um, and your parents right now are actually helping someone uh, that's looking to to purchase a rental property right 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 that's not going to be their primary primary residence sure. but it's a couple that they're very good friends with and they've gone I guess house hunting together and they went to this one property it was a really good deal you know and they went and looked at it but it's a good deal because well and I don't know if my mom my mom is even more sensitive than I am she's definitely who I get it from but I don't know if she knew beforehand or not but there was apparent double homicide suicide in this house but wait there's more no that that's a different house <laughs> okay but, it's a different um, so in this house, she went and they, um, they didn't really feel any energy, you know, my mom didn't feel anything. And so they were just kind of afraid to, to buy into something that's got that kind of history in case something does show up later. Sure. So they're house hunting, they find another house and it creeped all of them out. My mom, especially. And apparently this house had a secret room with a one way mirror. I don't know what it looked into. I don't want to know. How the hell do you sell that as a realtor? I mean, seriously, when you're going through that house, is that list, is it on the li- property listing, I wonder? No, she said there was no warning about that in the property listing. It wasn't listed as a bonus room or anything. Spacious kitchen. But, yeah. Walk-in and, closets. And I don't get the feeling like it was like a pantry or something, you One-sided know? mirror to bedroom, basement, dungeon layer. That's where my mind went with it. That or a double-sided mirror to a bathroom. You know, all kinds of creepy stuff. I cannot contemplate why anyone would ever have a one-sided mirror in a home situation a for home. any practical purpose. The Here's the only thing. Unless you were a researcher and you worked out of your home and you conducted your work, your experiments, your testing at your home. That would be it. But I'm sure that's probably not the case. No, I doubt that's the case. Or a in- home interrogation. 
if you're working for the CIA and you're interrogating Opnut, no, these are insane possibilities. I even thought, okay, what if somebody you know is a therapist and that's a room that they observe children, you know, play therapy. But I thought that they don't do that out of their home. I don't know. I don't get yeah. the double mirror Again, in a home. Yeah, these are like the only things you can possibly conjure up to Mm -hmm. being logical and again fairly illogical you know ideas because these things don't really happen but they felt pretty creeped out and then the double hidden room with the double mirror or the one-way mirror that was just the icing on the cake it was a hidden room too it was a hidden room it wasn't just like hey here's the bedroom and here's this mirror that nobody really it was a hidden room with Mm -hmm. the mirror right So. so that makes me think it was the mirror looked into someplace where there should be a mirror. Yeah. Like a bathroom. Yeah. You know, which is just wrong. That's messed up. So it makes you want to say. makes you want to look up who the previous owners of the home were. But here's the thing. It's BTK? An, it, I don't know. It could be anything. We live in a city that's got so many twisted serial killers and murders. It's yeah. not, they've been caught, you know, yeah. finally. But I really wonder, you know, who... That would answer a lot of questions. Well, they burned down BTK's house, so they it did. was it That's, was not BTK's not house. BTK. No, and BTK, for those of you who aren't from the area, was a serial killer who terrorized our neck of the woods for almost thirty years before they finally caught him. And BTK stood for bind, torture, and kill. Oh, and, and a lot of the the U.S. is anyway for the most part probably is it was national news because I, I was not here at the time when BTK was going on, but I knew what it was when I came here to mm-hmm. Wichita. Um, yeah, just another bizarre. That's an, honestly, I have questions about that. I wonder if there's hauntings involved with any of those. It's an older home, the one with the mirror. So, who knows? I don't know. That would be uh, interesting to look into. Can you look into? Yeah, there's property records with the city you could find, couldn't you? I don't know. I'm tempted to look up the MLS listing just <laughs> to take the, the virtual tour. How do you do the virtual tour <laughs> on this house? Out, I want to call the realtor tomorrow. And go, hey, we're looking at. We heard this home is great. We could take some pictures and put it on the website. Uh, so there you go. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story and would like to share it with us, we would absolutely love to hear it. Let's go to a letter. This one comes in. Christine writes in. I am writing about my writing in about my experiences, which took place in my early childhood home. The following two incidents happened to me between the ages of five and seven. The first one I'm going to share occurred in my sister's room. I often slept in my sister's double bed, even though I had my own bedroom. I often preferred to hang out with my older sister whenever I could. At some point during the night, I abruptly woke up to a cold breeze on my face and a very spooky feeling. My attention was quickly drawn to the area near my sister's closet, which was open at the time. Unexpectedly, a woman in a long black dress and long black lace veil slowly floated out of the closet. Her dress which had long sleeves along with the veil were all blowing as if a stiff breeze, but there was no actual source for wind in the room. She was not facing me. Rather, she looked towards the window on the other side of the room. Light from moonlight or streetlight shone through the window so I could see her her features easily. Her face was very pale and her hair was very dark and tied back. She floated with her arms semi-outstretched. Her face was contorted of a mixture of anger and sadness. She disappeared after a time. I did not tell anyone about this, and I remained weary of that closet every time I was in my sister's room thereafter. In my child's mind at the time, I thought of her as a witch. Now that I look back, she appeared to have been a very distraught woman in a mourning dress. Based on what I recall of the style of the dress, she could have been from the late 1800s or very early 1900s. The second experience I'd like to share is of something that stands out as if it were yesterday. During a period in my childhood before age 8, I had occasional visitations from very tall beings. Judging from the height of the ceilings in the downstairs level of the house, they were likely over 7 feet tall. They were dressed in what I now recognize as Franciscan robes, brown robes tied at the waist with a rope-like belt. Those things had no faces or hands or feet. They simply glided. They were basically floating robes, and each one felt and looked uniformly identical. They usually visited in small groups of three to five at a time. They were not malevolent at all and would keep me company. I distinctly recall a particular evening 
When I was alone in my room, I could hear my parents watching television upstairs in the living room situated just above my bedroom. While they watched their show, I was visited by these monk figures. I was happy to see them and asked one of them to toss me on my bed as a sort of a bouncing game. He or it obliged and gently lifted me as if I weighed a feather. I could feel hands but could not see them. I landed and bounced on the bed. It was tons of fun, I thought. So I asked to do it again, and we continued to play this game for some time. They never frightened me. In fact, they made me feel protected. It frightened me to think of what kids play with in the dark. <laughs> it really kind of does, you know, because yeah. they, you know, our little one, our, our two-year-old is the one who's like, she goes up and kisses zombies, you know, at the store. She's not afraid store. of anything. No. She just, she loves everything, and there's nothing that really scares her. Well, and what scares me is sometimes, and I think she does it because she knows it bothers me, is she will wave and say hi to something that is not there. And I don't know if she's really seeing something or not, but the believer in me is terrified. But she'll laugh, though. She'll be like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I don't know. I think her dad's putting her up to it. If only I could teach her. To, I did teach her to uh, to uh, talk to the the uh, not talk to the bunny, but I gave the bunny in her room a name, uh-huh. Avis. Oh, that's great! And I taught her to uh, to say hi to it because th- there's a little uh, uh, bunny that uh, like a stuffed bunny figurine that that was my grandmother's, mm-hmm. and, and my grandmother's name was Avis, and um, she it came with a little rocking chair that she loves. Mm-hmm. Harper loves to to play in it, and. Um, and the bunny just kind of sits on a shelf, so I, I've named the bunny Avis, and we walk her, hi, say hi to, to Avis the bunny. If she does that in front of your mom, that is going to freak your mom out. That's true. You didn't think about that one, did you? <laughs> well, I just thought it was kind of cute. It's like, well, my grandma gave this, you know, and it's a nice... I, I, I'm not viewing it as like a let's screw with people. I'm viewing it as this is kind of a, you know, cute, you know passed down this is a gift for my it's her great-grandmother my grandmother and let's name the bunny after her okay so we'll see how that goes but it'll freak out anyone yeah <laughs> she's gonna weigh hi Amos. wow <laughs> hey I, I, I think it's kind of cute <laughs> it'll somehow get twisted yeah the phone number is 855-853-4802 855-853-4802 she does do a lot of giggling and laughing down there by herself I think she's talking to her stuffed animals, I hope. I hope it's not seven-foot robed monk beings that are visiting her and helping her bounce. (laughs) (sighs) I'm sorry. I believe that happened. I just don't want my kid to be playing with anybody like that. We're going to start hearing those those very bad 90s monk music with the the beats in oh gosh (laughs) okay we can stop that now uh hi you're on real ghost stories online hi i'm kelly from michigan Uh, my story some people might not believe me um but i honestly think that i am haunted it all started when i was like five years old i was living with my grandma and she had an older chest in her basement um, I would always go downstairs and play with my mom's old toys. Well, I found this chest and was deciding to go through it. And next thing you know, my grandma told me, I do not remember myself, that she couldn't hear me playing anymore. Well, she came downstairs and said that I was talking to the wall right in front of the chest. And um, I proceeded to tell her that I was talking to three people. I was talking to someone named Amanda someone named Ashley and a some guy named Bob. Um, I had told her that Bob was telling me to do mean things. Um, We'll continue with the call in a minute, but just a quick note. When you call into the show, maybe stop doing the steel work that you're working on when you're trying to tell your story. Maybe something's interfering with her call. Doing the dishes. Something doesn't want her to share her story. Dishes. Okay. To my family. And that's all I remember about that. Um, and as time went further, I was about seven years old, and my mom and my stepdad lived in a house, and it was the newer house. Um, I was going to bed and had my door always cracked open, and uh, I seen an apparition of this old guy with a top hat and a cane. Uh, he was standing outside of my door, probably about 10 feet away from my door, 
the basement was pretty corner to my room, and he was standing right outside the basement door. I was in shock. I kept staring at him. He would not disappear. Um, so I waited about 10 minutes, and I was only like five to seven years old. I was a little freaked out, so I didn't move. I, as soon as he uh, dis disappeared, I ran into my mother's house, my mother's room, and told her I wanted to sleep there because, you know, I was young. And we waited a couple minutes and heard the door freak open, and we both looked at the foot of the bed, and he was standing there staring at us. And that's all I could remember from that. And the proceedings happened as I started to get older. My husband and I have seen things, slamming doors, um, uh, water, full unopened water bottles thrown at us, uh, cups flying off the tables, breaking and shattering. Um, it has never done anything to hurt me. The only thing it has ever thrown exactly at me was a toilet paper roll. Um, I, me and my husband were going to bed one night in a trailer that we lived in, and a la full laundry soap um, jug was on the washer sit sitting upright, and then all of a sudden my husband was walking past it, and he heard a big bang as he was shutting the door. We, we proceeded to look out into the hallway where the laundry room was, and the laundry container was on its lid, still shaking from being slammed down. The most recent one that I have had um, was doors slamming and opening and closing. And then um, the one that happened about two weeks ago, my bedroom door, it was about two, three o'clock in the morning, it would open and there was no window open, nothing. Everybody was sleeping in my house. It was me and my son in my bedroom. And the door creaked open about an inch. I thought it was my grandparents, so I said, yes, can I help you? And it shut, completely latched. I heard it latch. Um, nothing was on in my room, no TV, nothing. Um, and then all of a sudden it opened again, and I said, what? And nothing, nothing happened, it just shut again. So I got up and looked, and nothing was on, nothing was no windows, no doors were open. There was nothing that could explain what had happened. I tell my friends and my family about this. You know, some people don't believe me, but for those of the friends and family that have seen it uh, and seen things happen, you know, they obviously believe me. There's many more stories about occurrences that have happened to me, but those are just some of them. Anymore. Thank you. The ghosts hate you because you are constantly fidgeting with something and it's driving them utterly insane. That's what's going on. The ghosts hate you. No, but I do think maybe on your next call, don't do the dishes or whatever you were doing. It almost sounded like a remember cassette tape uh, boxes. It sounded like she was opening and closing a cassette tape box and then breaking them. Yeah. Jeez. I, I had a hard time hearing, but I... You know, I think sometimes things just follow us. I don't really know why, um, but I don't know what else to say on that one. I couldn't understand half the story because of the damn noise. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, it just sounds like there's a lot of negativity that's following this person around. From what I could make out between the chiseling... Um, if you have a real ghost story, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. We would actually love to hear your ghost story. <laughs> Just silent room, you know, don't fidget with stuff when you're on the call. That's that's all. That's all we ask. That's it. Uh, another letter. This one uh, is about poltergeist activity in a childhood home. Uh, from newly born at the age of seven, I lived in an outwardly unassuming house that in uh, actuality was very haunted. In fact, all my immediate family and some extended family and friends experienced supernatural events in that home. By no means did the supernatural leave my life or my family's after we moved from that particular house. But in this submission, I thought I would share instances of poltergeist activity that occurred in my early childhood home. The poltergeist activity in the house was typical in many ways and included doors opening and closing, items disappearing and reappearing, and electronic equipment and lights being turned on and off. Interesting, men, interestingly, many of these events were witnessed, were witnessed by multiple people. The following are two examples of poltergeist activity which occurred in front 
of these multiple witnesses. This story was recounted to me by my mother. One evening, my sister and mother were home alone. I was likely away at a friend's place, and my father may have been working, I'm not exactly sure. She and my sister were watching television in the living room on a typical afternoon. Suddenly, without any reason, the dining room set doors and drawers started violently opening and closing all by themselves from where they were sitting. They could not see directly into the building room, into the dining room. But I could hear a very loud banging of doors and sliding of drawers. Soon, though, my mother and sister got up from the couch to witness the very end of the chaos. Just a moment or two after they entered the room, everything ceased. However, some of the drawers were open as visual proof of the event. Another time, my sister and I were in her bedroom. She and I were standing at her dresser, using its large surface to fill in our coloring books. We were chatting and giggling, as children often do, eerily we both fell silent for a minute or two. Without a word or look between us, we simultaneously turned around as if on cue, but our attentions were drawn towards the left side of my sister's bed. Now, I must explain some logistics at this point. My sister's bed was in the middle of the room. To the left of where we were standing, a three-level built-in shelf to the left of the bed. To the right of the bed was a very tall dresser. We both instinctively looked to the left side of the bed, and on the shelf we both saw a black coloring crayon suddenly and very rapidly fly from the mid-level shelf. It flew over the bed and went upwards to the tall dresser. What was particularly notable was that the crayon did not have a downward trajectory, but rather it went upwards in an arc and crossed the distance of a double-sized bed to the higher dresser across the room. It landed with a thud and, after a brief moment, gently rolled off the top of the dresser. We stood there in stunned silence for a moment. Then we slowly turned to one another, and I then asked my sister, Are you thinking what I'm thinking? In reply, she mumbled, "Uh Uh-huh. With that, we were out of the room like a shot. We went immediately upstairs to the safety of our parents' side. We did not tell them about this event until many years later. However, to this day, she and I recall this experience very clearly some 25 years later. Poltergeist activity. You know, poltergeist stuff doesn't really scare me all that much. Really? (laughs) No, because it just seems like a lot of objects moving around. And as long as there's not knives flying or guns going off, I'm usually okay. I think they're the ones that scare me the most because they can move things. You know, showing up. Yes, that's scary. That would still freak me out. But if you can start moving things around, yeah. that that would probably scare me the most. I'm much more scared by the idea that there's a conscious entity that is like has some sort of will mm-hmm. to it. That that's what freaks me out more. And and to me, most poltergeist situations are almost fairly random. It's just more like these ghosts are just going to screw with you. Like we're going to flip some lights on and off. We're going to move some drawers around. But isn't that a conscious and conscience entity? I don't know. That's what I mean. That's the thing because it's you can't really clearly define is that their goal or it's just what it appears like it is. Is it just a big blob of energy that's moving through something and it just happens to screw with all these things at one time with no real intent? You know, or is it a conscious entity that is doing something? I think they know what they're doing. Well, then that then that would make all poltergeist activity. By, by, by definition, is poltergeist so not intelligent or is poltergeist supposed to be intelligent? No, I don't think it matters on intelligence. I think okay. poltergeist means that it can move things. Okay. That's at least in my limited knowledge, that's what I, always, I knew. It I as. always thought of poltergeist activity simply as just kind of move stuff around, not really identifying it itself who it is you're not seeing it it's just there yeah what happened in the movie it's been a long time a since I've seen that a lot of that. bad stuff happened in the movie did it ever show itself I I don't remember if it did or not to Hayden Fox to Hayden to Craig T. Nelson <laughs> <laughs> who played coach Hayden Fox no I don't I don't remember directly because for one when I watched it the first time I was too little my parents turned it off which was good. And then any time that I've had the opportunity as an adult... You're still I'd, not old enough to watch no, this. No, it still scares me. It still scares me. 
Was that one that was really scary? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it had the little girl looking into the screen. Into the screen, yeah. And the house was built on top of a cemetery. You could have a family movie night and watch that one. No, you can watch it by yourself. Right after The Conjuring. Nope. With with the girls. No. No, no, no. (laughs) It's nightmare night. Yeah, I guess he's getting up with the girls on that night. Kidding. Uh, 855-853-4802. is the phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. This next letter comes into us from Tony. Tony writes in, I live in Savannah, Georgia, the most haunted city in the U.S. That's right. And in the top ten in the world. We have Native American and slave burial grounds that were paved over with roads. Bloody battles in and around Savannah, voodoo practices, pirate suicide, the slave trade, and the many deaths surrounding it. Savannah has such a dark history, it's unbelievable. Every square mile of Savannah has a story or two. I'm a Christian, and I believe that all spirits are angels or fallen angels, also known as demons. These demons pretend to be loved ones and a host of other things. These demons love places where horrible things have happened. This is why they are often drawn to places like Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Anyway, almost everyone I know has a story. Here's one of mine. I was 16 years old. My cousins were supposed to spend the night with me at my grandparents' house during the summer. No one could stay because of various reasons, so I was by myself for the time. My grandparents lived in a large house with about six bedrooms. They had nine children, which they brought in in the early 70s. Their bedroom downstairs, I stayed in the bedroom upstairs. I was watching music videos when I heard my grandmother call me, so I jumped up and ran downstairs to see what she wanted. I asked her if she called me. She said, absolutely not. I thought that that was very strange and headed back upstairs. The room where I was had a heavy feeling, and I felt slightly nervous when I sat down. Then I heard my grandfather call me in a loud voice. I jumped up to see what he wanted. As I entered the hallway leading to the stairs, I saw a white, transparent figure of a man standing about eight foot or more against the hall wall in the corner. Then he just disappeared. My heart almost beat out of my chest from fear. I then ran downstairs to my grandparents to tell them what happened, and they sort of shrugged it off. There were two other occurrences in that house involving the hallway. I found out later that a fortunate table was the cause of it all. I've come to find out that objects used in practices or land or places where horrible things have happened draw these demonic spirits. I have many other stories from my time working downtown Savannah restaurants and bars, but I'll keep those stories for another time. I honestly don't know what a fortunate table is. I don't know. Is that a table that was used by a fortune teller, maybe? Could be. I'm wondering if it's like a Ouija-type table or something with uh, lettering on it. I don't know. Fill us in if somebody knows what a fortunate... Or here, instead of waiting for someone to uh, to write in, let's use this little thing called uh, Google. Yes. <laughs> and see what a fortunate table is. Uh, well, nothing's coming up. Let's do quotations. I got nothing. If anyone knows what a fortunate table is. Maybe it was an autocorrect and it was supposed to be fortune table. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I'm guessing it's something to do with the practice of that. So, yeah, I could see that. That would totally make sense. Yeah, and I have to say, one of the things I think is scariest is anything having to do with slave history to me. I mean, yeah. I'm Southern Texas native, and I I just always think that not only is that a dark history in itself. Well, there was the uh, the gravestones that we found. Oh, in, yeah. Uh, we like to antique, believe it or not. We haven't found anything that's come back haunted with us yet. Hopefully that won't happen. But one of the stores we were at... We found a couple of odd-looking, they almost look like oversized bricks. And we asked what they were, and the lady that worked at the antique mall said, oh, those are slave gravestones. And I was appalled that they were there for sale. I just thought that was horrible. And I said, isn't that a little questionable? Why are you letting one of the vendors do that? And she goes, well, it's actually the owners that are doing that. (laughs) So we won't be shopping there anymore. Selling gravestones of any kind, really, not a good idea. And then you get into that whole thing. Yeah, that's like even worse. 
So one of the one of the uh, letters we got in the past week, uh, he put it so well because you know once you're gone, your grave marker is all you have left, and I just think that is so disrespectful and and so horrible. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if they were haunted and that whole place was haunted. Yeah, that was uh, one of the most bizarre things I think I've ever seen at a yeah at an antique store. I've been antiquing a very long time, and that takes the cake. Yeah. 855-853-4802 if you have a real ghost story. Please like us, share our show, talk about us, give us some stars at iTunes. Helps our show grow quite a bit. Let's go uh, to another letter. This comes to us from Megan. Megan writes, growing up, I was fortunate enough to live in Lake Tahoe on the Nevada side. Right after I graduated high school, I found a job working at one of the major hotel casinos in the area in the gift shop. During the first week, I got to know my manager and co-workers. I got a repeated story at the gift shop was haunted. Thinking they were just having fun with the newbie, I brushed it off as a story. Then the footsteps started. The gift shop was in the back end of the hotel, sharing a floor with the restaurant and casino. It was a good-sized shop with wooden floors by the front door and the carpet towards the interior. During the slow part of my shift, I would hear distinct hard-heeled shoes walking on the wood floor. I would look up from what I was doing to greet the customer, only to see no one was there. This happened so many times, particularly on a daily, practically on a daily basis, that I eventually got used to it. It never gave me a bad feeling or scared me. It was just something weird that happened a lot. Towards the end of the summer, during one of the busy rush hours of late afternoon, I was ringing up a line of customers when out of the corner of my eye, I saw a very tall man with a cowboy hat walk by the register towards the back of the shop where the dressing rooms were. I didn't pay attention, being very busy with customers. Finally, I got through taking care of everyone in the store and turned back to ask if I could help him find something, and no one was there. There was no way he could have left the store without me seeing him. There were no exits by the dressing room doors. Some months later, one of the security guards was hanging around the shop chatting with me and my co-workers. We got into the history of the hotel, seeing how he had been with the hotel since it had opened in the 1960s. I mentioned the daily phantom footsteps and the man with the cowboy hat who had disappeared. He paused and proceeded to tell me that soon after the hotel had opened, there had been a man, an older man, who came to the casino and hotel often who wore a cowboy hat that had been in the dressing room of the gift shop when he had a heart attack and died. There might be a plausible explanation for everything that happened, but I know I heard those footsteps, loud and clear, and nobody was there. I know I saw a man with a cowboy hat who disappeared when, uh, when there was nowhere to exit from. Everybody who worked in the store saw and heard these things and even got around to giving him a name, Fred. Unfortunately, since leaving the store, the hotel has had major remodels and the gift shop is now gone. I think the fact that somebody matching that description died in the gift shop is a plausible explanation for that. Yeah, I mean, that's a very... I wonder, in, with construction and, and having renovated the 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 gift shop if, if that would have even stirred him up even more it might have I mean where did he go you know makes you wonder where did he go after the gift shop's gone maybe just walking around in that same area that's where I start to wonder about and we've talked to us before where sometimes if the spirits are bound by our walls I mean a lot of times they're not because they're clearly walking through things mm-hmm. so in, in their reality maybe in his reality a gift shop's still there and he's walking around it, and maybe he's going through walls if people are seeing him. But in his plane of wherever he's at, it's the old gift shop. I don't know. Maybe the hotel and the casino was his happy place if he was a frequent visitor. You know, maybe that's why he haunts there. A lot of security cameras in hotels and casinos. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he ever shows up on any of those, you know? I don't know. The phone number to call if you have a real ghost story, 855-853-4802. That last story made me think of, of something you had told me you thought, or you said co-workers had seen your, um, I guess he wasn't your former boss, but the former owner of the radio station you worked at last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, there's a lot of people who claim to see um, 
I guess, former uh, uh, employees and owners of, of the, the last radio station I worked at uh, here in Wichita. Um, and some people claim they see it clear as day. Others just have weird energies. There's a lot of people who died in that building, too, mm-hmm. like just kind of random heart attacks and such. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself had never had any weird feelings in that building. I actually felt very calm and very at peace anytime I was in there. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm only like sensitive to real negative type things because <laughs> I, I mean, I, if there is something there, I think they want to be there because yeah. it was a place of happiness for a lot of people, um, you know, over the course of their career and their life. And I could see if the ghosts are there, maybe I'm not picking up on it cause it doesn't really spook me out, but I always felt very, very comfortable even in that building in the dark in the basement, you know, mm-hmm. and there's been plenty of radio stations I've worked at where I did not want to be there at all, uh, you know, at any hour of the day when no one else was there. Mm-hmm. But this place, yeah, I always felt kind of. I never felt anything weird there. No. I mean, even after you told me the history. No, uh, other than the, uh, you know, asbestos and the uh, <laughs> black mold <laughs> the growing in the walls in the and the plague of frogs that we had a couple of times. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, other than, I guess, respiratory issues, uh, yeah. the building was just fine. But, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. That'd be, a, that'd be a good topic for a show in itself, just to talk to folks who have seen and heard things within that haunted radio station. I got a whole slew of haunted radio station stories from over the years. It'd be fun just to talk to uh, to former coworkers and get do a show all about haunted radio stations. The one that bothered me the most yeah. was your first station when we went and visited there. Oh, in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Yes. Oh, yes. Old WTCX and WFDL radio. I want it out of there. Yeah. Well, I, the uh, the basement has part of the Underground Railroad in it. Mm-hmm. And it's still there. And, oh, I used to, that was a creepy, I love that place. <laughs> no, that was, that was not a happy place. I feel so at home there. <laughs> That's crazy. But people hear like children playing in the halls there and typing. People have seen people walk past doors. I heard somebody once. Mm -hmm. I heard somebody walk down the hall with keys and paper. I thought it was our news director. Get up to go say hi. He's not there. There's nobody in the building. (laughs) That's strange. But uh, yeah, I mean, I spent like eight years there and loved every minute of it. (laughs) It's a fun place. But uh, we should do a whole show about that sometime. Uh, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 with your real ghost stories. If you would like to share a real ghost story with us, please do so. And we will share it on a future episode here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Share the show. Give me some stars. Give us some love. Give us some reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you are listening to us. That also helps us grow. And please press that subscribe button so you don't miss our next episode. For Jenny Bruski, I am Tony Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. Thank you for listening.